everybody. Welcome to the Coaching Minds podcast, the official podcast of Mental Training Plan. Today, we've got a very special guest, Spencer Glass. Spencer, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And as we kind of get started here, could you tell us just a little bit about your story, kind of what's led you to where you're at today? Yeah, grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, kind of played a bunch of different sports, but ultimately pretty early chose soccer. I was fortunate enough to play through Chicago Fires Pipeline and Indiana Fires Pipeline. Uh, Luckily, got a degree or a scholarship to um, Indiana University to play soccer. Had a bit of a weird career there, had every kind of role that you could think of. I redshirted my freshman year, came off the bench as a sub, kind of was a super sub, and then was a three-year captain. All through COVID was kind of weird. Ended up my senior year having a season-ending broken leg injury. Um, then coming back from that, had another injury the very first practice back, so a few setbacks, but was fortunate enough to win six ben- Big Ten titles there. Unfortunately, lost in two national championships. Um, and then from then on, moved to the pro level, signed with Sporting Kansas City, just finished up with them this past year, but kind of bounced between the first and second team, but got my first team debut uh, last May. Awesome. And, you know, as you kind of think back through your journey, I mean, you know, we just we just kind of brushed through like COVID <laughs> uh, injuries, national yeah. championships, Big Ten championships, um, you know, a, a lot packed in there. As we kind of as you sort of think back on your journey, what were some of the most difficult or trying times for you mentally or psychologically? Uh, if I had to put two, I would one say obviously getting redshirted when you're going to a big college. Uh, you have the idea that, all right, I made it to a big college. I'm going to be the man now. And then getting told that news, it's jarring. And it takes a hit to your ego. Obviously, you're proud to make it there. And us being a fall sport, you're there a few weeks before kind of your friends, me being from Indiana. So I'm excited. I've never really played in front of my friends because I always either either played out of Chicago or Indianapolis. So getting that opportunity, they finally get to see it. And then being told that news, it kind of throws off your plan. Your ego's hurt everything you kind of had in your mind is thrown off. So I think having to adjust on that kind of was the first big obstacle for me. And then the second, obviously, the broken leg my senior year, I was kind of preseason for the Mac Herman, which is the Heisman for soccer. I was leading the Big Ten in assists. I was kind of on par for an All-American season. Fortunately, I still made All-American, but had higher hopes than where it ended. And to have that happened, our team was undefeated in the Big Ten, won the Big Ten. So to kind of be the captain and all that, have that cut short and have to take a different role of kind of the player coach, sideline motivator and talk with guys, that kind of was the second big obstacle, I'd say, in my career that was mentally grueling. And, you know, thinking back to thinking back to the start of your freshman year where you do get redshirted, and that's obviously, you know, it doesn't matter what level you go compete at, right? Like, I mean, division three, all the way up through big time D one, everyone else on your team was also 
the, the stud or the star at their school. Um, you know, as, as you think through maybe some of the, the things that helped you get through that, um, cause you know, coming out of that, you were three time captain. So obviously, you know, you handled that well in the eyes of coaches and teammates. Um, what, what were some of the things maybe you learned through that, uh, that, that changed who you were or how you played for the next three years? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I would say is be mad about it, use it as motivation, but I think there's a fine line of using it as motivation for something positive rather than being bitter. I think a lot of people, what I tried to do, be mad for a week, a day, however much short time period you need, get over it and start working towards that's your reality. That's the situation you're stuck in. How are you going to make the best of it? And I think I've seen some people who have gone my route and use it positively as motivation. And I've seen quite a few people at my school and other schools use it the other way. They're bitter. They hold on to it. Woe is me. And I think that's something I've tried to tell the younger players that have been in the same situation as me when they ask is, use it as motivation, but also realize your situation. You might not be traveling on the away games. You get an extra three days if someone doesn't in the weight room. You get time with the strength coach. You can work on things specifically that you need to. So taking it with stride and realizing, hey, I have the time to focus and work on things. Pick the coach's brain. Use that time. As long as you can realize it's a time to build, Looking back, that was some of the most beneficial for me because I know some people that your ego, you want to come in, you want to play. And at first people are like, hey, I'll play four games. Give me 15 minutes each and I'd be happy. And when you look back, you're like, I didn't even play a cumulative one game through my freshman season. Like, yeah, kind of wasted it. And when you look back, I could use so much of that in the future and got four full years. Makes sense. So, you know, thinking back to Big Ten championships, to competing in national championships, uh, you know, just playing on a larger stage. Yes, it's still the same game, but now there's a whole new mental side to this. There's a whole new pressure. There's, you know, these new expectations when you when you think back to competing on the highest stages um, what what were some of the the struggles that maybe you noticed in yourself or teammates or opponents? Um, and, and what did you guys use to overcome those? I think everything is the same, but emotions are heightened. So say you're back home and you have a play, you miss a pass, ball goes under your foot, something simple. You're able to shrug it off, but at that next level, it means a lot more. And you're like, oh, gosh, is that the difference maker of whether we win or lose? So I think letting things not snowball was the biggest mental obstacle for people because you're this is the last chance. It's win or go home. And so for us, it was holding each other accountable, but also having that support. Obviously, you can get on someone, but bring them up, raise your teammate up kind of give them a little compliment. They got this and all that stuff. So it was just kind of keeping each other leveled. Don't get someone too high. Don't get someone too low. Just stay calm. And in that moment, I I love that. I I've not heard someone call it that, but I feel like that's, that's a great way to describe it. Not, not let it snowball. Um, Thinking to, you know, maybe times where you saw 
opponents, you know, they're, they're, you're ending their season, times that you saw them maybe start to snowball emotionally. What's that, what's that look like specifically in soccer? A lot of times because coaches can't be involved, you can yell from the sidelines. It's, it's comments between players. It's not someone supporting. There's a difference between critiquing and holding accountable to just wanting to yell at someone and complain. So being able to see those people kind of bicker and get on each other, you kind of are like, all right, we're getting in their head. It's working. And then soccer's weird in the sense that you can kind of feel a game shifting because it's kind of a live organism. It's always moving, always working. So you can see things changing. And what our coach always said was put our foot on their throats. Don't let them get past that point to where they can kind of build and not let it snowball and get their way out. Everything that we do to our teammates and each other, don't let them do. And you you were talking about uh, feedback between teammates. For you, where's that line? Like, you know, high-performing teams, high-performing athletes have to be able to push each other, have to be able to, you know, get in somebody's face and say, that's not good enough. That's not the expectation. That's not the standard. Um, in, in your mind, where does that line become now it's starting to get negative? Now guys are starting to take it personally. Uh, you know, maybe even getting into in the college world, you know, now you're a senior and you've got to be able to get in this freshman's face who's who's new and young and maybe a little bit more sensitive. Like what's that what's that interaction look like? What do those dynamics look like? I'm a big off the field person. So even when I was a senior, I'd invite freshmen to hang over or hang out and stuff and come over. And I feel like for college, it's a different aspect. Pros, you you got to deal with it. You're not going to be able to go with that as much. But college, you're with each other all the time. There's different age groups. So if you can get comfortable with someone off the field, I hope they realize that when I get on you, it's because I want to win and want you to succeed along with me, not I'm actually mad at you. So off the field, if you can build that, I think that's a huge difference maker, but also personalities in the terminology you use. I feel like there's a huge difference to, I was open, you screwed up. Why didn't you do it? Instead of, I see what you were doing next time I saw this and this is why I was open. Hey, you need to track back because that guy was open instead of just stop screwing up, give constructive criticism and feedback, something with purpose and substance. That's not just hear my voice because I'm upset and I want to complain to you. Love that. Um, all right. So that is, that's kind of the, the list of questions that I've got written down. Are there any other times that you can think back in your career where it was like, you know, this, this really stood out on the mental side of the game or were there any, any other avenues or, you know, maybe questions you were hoping that I would ask that could, uh, maybe lead to some more conversation about, uh, any other topics. No, I mean, injury, I think is the big one. The one I'll say on that, because I think it's unique that I did. So I came back from my broken leg in four and a half months, was excited to start my, I just ended up staying another year because you got an extra one with COVID. And first practice back, got tripped and slide tackle from behind and tore my AC joint, my shoulder. And so it was one of those, there is absolutely no way. And I'd never had a pulled muscle that made me sit out of a game. There was no way I just broke my leg and now I'm going to be out again. And I think with that is there's a lot of times with injuries, 
something else is going to come up. But I think if you can result back to what got you through the first one, whether it's an injury or any other setback, feel sorry for yourself, accept it, get over it. And what are the next things you can move on? And that's go any avenue you want. But as long as you're moving forward, you're moving. And I think a lot of people get into those woe is me because injury bugs can be contagious. You just got to keep moving forward. The hand you're dealt may suck, but it's what you're dealt. You're not going to be able to change the game. And the, you know, then moving on to the the injury side of it, you know, we just, we just interviewed Cam Babb talking about some of the battles and the struggles that he went through. Um, w- would be really interested to kind of hear your perspective of, again, you know, how did you kind of take on that role of, as you said, kind of that, that coach from the sideline um, and, and still feel like you're having an impact on your team and making an impact and, you know, what's going on out there on the field? Yeah, so definitely with COVID already a weird time. Um, we I did it at Michigan University and then um, came back. Weird time with COVID to where we had one more game left in the regular season. It ended up getting canceled, so we won the Big Ten regular season from that. So the regular season was done. Weirdly enough, the mental side of it, it never really hit me. When it happened, truthfully, I thought I broke the other kid's leg. It was kind of a collision play. And the minute it happened, my mindset was very much what's next. Not, oh my gosh, I don't think it truly hit me. And I had the opportunity, do you recover back in Fort Wayne, go home, be with your parents? And I said, "Uh uh-uh, I want to be with the team. And so the mental side never really hit me for the first bit. It was... Once I had to make that decision for the new role, because I was just around practice, hanging out, kind of got some sympathy from the guys. It was giving away the captain's band 15 minutes before the game started, that first game back, first round of the Big Ten tournament. And that's where it hit me. And I broke down alone in the locker room and kind of gave myself 10 minutes. This is the grieving part that I never really did early on. But then moving on, it was kind of nothing's going to change. I'm out for months. We're number two in the country right now. I'm not going to make this about me. I want a ring on my finger. What do I have to do to get to that point? And so having the respect of the guys in that role, I already gave the speeches and kind of talks. And I wasn't going to be able to have that lead by example aspect. So what was going to kind of be my pivot? And it was talk to the guys on the field, the things I knew. I wasn't going to be distracting. And I think that's different with soccer where it's not football. You can't call the plays in between each time. But it was where can I get my feedback? What am I seeing? I know personalities well enough. I know which guys I need to talk to, which guys I don't. And it was just trying to navigate that new role without having the playing aspect of being out there on the field with them. I love that. And that, you know, kind of the, kind of the same response that you had your freshman year and and it's no different, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with a golfer, you know, they have a terrible tee shot in the, in the short term, you know, you can, you can grieve that you can be pissed about it. You can be irritated, fill in the blank with whatever emotion you've got. You know, we're not saying suppress all of that or pretend like it's not happening or, you know, just say happy, positive thoughts to yourself, but deal with it 
realize the reality of where you're at and now move on. What's next? What's, what's the next step? Um, and you know, for you, that next step after college, walk us through maybe what were, you know, what were some of the differences playing at the next level? Um, mentally, what did you take with you? Um, what, what was that experience like after college? I think I took the freshman year experience where you, as much as college coming in and being a first year starter isn't super uncommon coming into the soccer world at the professional level and being a starter, a big role or anything, your rookie season is definitely unique and rare. So you got to expect, Hey, you're not going to have that major role you've just had for however many years. And so I came wanting to be a sponge. I wanted to talk to the older guys, get their experiences. It's kind of like college where you're off on your own for the first time. Well, you're off on your own again, but in a different city, you then you're getting paid. Finally, you have, you know, classes, way more time off. So I wanted to learn on and off the field, a lot of information, but the biggest advice that I got was you got to have even more thick skin. You think a college coach is going to be mean and yell at you, but want the best out of you. They also around you a lot more. So they want you to grow as a man and be a better person here. It's a business. And so you can't, take things lightly, but you can't take it personally. So having to take the criticism and it sounds like they're coming at you personally, it's their job too. That's on the line. So they're wanting the best out of you. So it's obviously like college, you can say better, faster, stronger, but it's, I would say the mental side of dealing with all those emotions at a much higher intense level. So, you know, we help, we help our athletes really in in four main areas, right? So there's kind of to, to start off, um, giving them some direction, being able to say like, you know, why are you playing? What's your motivation? What are the goals? Where are you at right now? Where are you trying to get to? Um, second one kind of preparing for competition. How do we practice at a high level? Um, how do we, you know, how are we deliberate in what we're doing? Make sure that we can improve at a faster rate than our competition. Number three would be like during competition and you know, the, the pregame nerves, the dealing with setbacks and adversity during the game. Number four evaluation afterwards, you know, what went well, what do I need to improve in my game? That's kind of, you know, bird's eye view, sort of the, the basics of everything we do preparing our athletes mentally falls into that category somewhere in your mind, because you're the, you're the first soccer player that we've had on the podcast. And obviously, like you already alluded to very different than football, where there's, you know, there's the stoppage in between each play, a new play is called, you have time to you know, there's some time to think. It's a little bit more like like a basketball game, like a hockey game where, you know, there's constantly things going on. What are some of the things in your mind that separate the mental side of soccer specifically from other sports? I'd say attention to detail and being able to stay mentally locked in for 90 minutes is what I got told by one of my coaches who was two-time MLS Defender of the Year, absolute stud, had a long career, is he was like, you can be a great defender, but mentality makes you a great defender. When you don't have a break, yeah, there's a throw-in, but people are sprinting when you do that stuff. Can you stay locked in? Can you keep checking your shoulder? Can you 
think about what's behind you. You got to be in a position if you're in the middle of the field, that's 360 degrees. You got to constantly know what's behind you, take quick snapshots. So the mental side of having that ability to stay locked in, stay focused, where you don't get that break for 90 minutes. Can you hold people accountable? Can you realize, hey, we're in this formation. This is the game plan. Oh, we scouted this player is going to try and do this. Can you process five or six different things for a long duration? Many people can do it for a short bout. Can you do it that long duration to make yourself a difference maker? And then thinking back to, you know, kind of preparing for that, practicing that, um, you know, during during those long, grueling summers, what, what were some of the ways that you guys sort of prepared yourselves to be able to do that? I think one aspect is you got to have a good community around you. Our strength coach at IU was one of the most motivational guys had a traumatic injury that paralyzed him and he you couldn't find a negative bone in his body so having someone that pushes you to that point where we would try to emulate hey this is the 90th minute you're tired you're grueling so i would say emulating it as much as you can physically but mentally it's doing the little details because things you do for us august whether your season starts whenever is going to build all the way to the end. I think a lot of people, oh, it's preseason. We'll we'll worry about it later. It's not a key moment. And you get to that key moment and you're like, crap, this is the first time I've had to do this. So being able to work on those little things, going over film each day, going over the things that you need to remember. I wrote down formations for my position. Hey, if this guy does this, you do this. Making mental reminders big on sticky notes, put them on my mirror. What am I going to see when I wake up in the morning to brush my teeth? What am I going to see going to bed? Just constant mental reminders to where I would say as much as you think when you're out of college, you're done with class, you got a whole different kind of schoolwork that you got to do each day. Love that. And then kind of talk us through um, your decision and maybe some of the struggles that come along with that deciding, you know, it's, it's time to hang up the cleats. It's time to kind of move on into the real world. I would say I'm unique in the sense that when I first talked with my agents, obviously soccer of all sports is the most popular over in Europe. Some people, if it doesn't work out here, they're like, Hey, I want to travel. They asked me, I knew I didn't want to travel. Getting my degree was a huge thing I wanted to focus on. Luckily got my degree. So I had that to fall back on. And for me, the decision to play was all out of love for the sport. Did I enjoy doing it? Did I want to be there? I know there's some people that I've talked to where they were like, I got nothing else to fall back on. This is the only thing I've known. Like, I'm scared to do something else. And for that, it's tough to hear because obviously if you're not enjoying it mentally, it's going to be a rough journey. And so for me, loved it all through my career. And I just got to the point of doing the physical side of stuff wasn't bringing me happiness. Uh, going on the fitness test, doing the runs. I just, the more I did them, I just kind of was like, it's, it's not the same for me. Like the hard parts weren't me thinking, Hey, this is for that championship. This is for that, this thing in nine months. And I just eventually I kind of thought to myself, just it's, if I don't have, if I'm not a hundred percent in, I don't want to a hundred percent be there. The, the last two questions that we always ask our guests, 
knowing what you know now, what advice would you have for athletes who are out there listening to this right now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say kind of a two-parter. Accept your reality, but don't accept it to the point where you think it can't change. You may get dealt a bad hand. You may have a situation that you don't enjoy right now. Don't complain. Don't whine about it. It's not going to change by that. But you have all the tools in your arsenal to change it and make a better one and get to the point where you want to. Just because it's bad now doesn't mean you can't get to that point. And tied in with that, pay attention to the details. I think anyone can work hard. Anyone can have talent. But it's the details of any sport or any game that you're going to do that's going to take you to the next level or be a difference maker. And the our, our audience is split about half and half. Half are uh, athletes that are trying to looking for ways to improve their game. The other half are coaches who are you know trying to help their athletes improve their side of the game. Knowing what you know now, what advice do you have for the coaches out there um, who may be wondering, you know, how can I how can I be coaching these young men or women more effectively? I would say learn personalities. That was a big thing I did through my leadership, but I like getting yelled at. I like the demanding coach and some people need that positive reinforcement. You may have a certain coaching style, but not everyone's going to re- like respond to the same type. So tweak it a little bit for each person. Cause you never know what the best you're going to get out of someone is when you can change it and kind of feed into what they work best with. I love that. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us on the show and just sharing a little bit about uh, some of the insights that you've learned along the way. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited uh, that a podcast like this exists to be able to talk about those things. As always, if you're interested in reaching out, check out mentaltrainingplan.com. Click on podcast at the top. We've got some different links there and a button that you can click if you're trying to get in contact with us. Also, Mental TR Plan on social media. Don't hesitate to reach out if you've got questions or an idea that you'd like to hear about in upcoming episodes. As always, until next time, make your plan and put it to work.